Welcome to another episode of Stressed, Depressed, and Anxious with your host, Local Neighborhood Baby. Today features another storytime episode. As you can tell by the title, it is called Blood and Water. Before we get into today's episode, of course, just a few reminders. Remember to like, comment, share, subscribe, and download today. Head over to the website, stressdepressedanxious.com. There you can find links to all of your favorite listening platforms. You can also listen right from the website. You can comment and chat in the chat box. You can find also all of the weekly blogs and subscribe to that as well. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast and want to lend your support, then head over to buymeacoffee.com slash sdanxious. There you can make a donation of any amount of your choosing, or you can even become a member for just 10 bucks a month and you will get tons of perks. Your support would be much appreciated. Now, let's get into today's episode. Again, it's called Blood and Water, and you'll see why. blood, and water. It's so interesting how they always tell you blood is thicker than water. Way to state the obvious. It's interesting because water is fascinating. We're surrounded by it. We're made up of it. And water is one of the most mysterious elements ever. Yeah, the wind rustles the trees and fire catches your eye. But water is reflective. It runs through your fingers. Seems light, simple, easy. Except it goes very deep. It holds tons of forms of life some that we haven't yet discovered. The ocean is so deep, can't go down that far. We don't even know how deep it really goes. So, water is a very interesting element. And then you have blood, thick blood, achy blood. Blood tends to make some people even pass out at the side of it. 
It smells like rust. Reminds us that we're alive and that we could die. Blood. And we all have our own blood types. We can't all give our bloods to each other. We share it. We share it with our family. Don't we? This is a story about family and about friendship and about tragedy, of course. The story begins with me, as it always does, as everything does. Everything revolves around me. No, I'm just kidding. But it does on this podcast, I guess, sometimes. When I was a little girl, I was fucked up from the start. I think something must have happened to me that made me different. Not so different in a bad way or in a really weird way, but different all the same. I just can't remember a time where I wasn't thinking so deeply about everything. I can't remember a time where I wasn't dreaming about a different reality than the one that I'm in. I mean, even my earliest of earliest memories even memories that date back to probably being three or four. I can't quite remember not daydreaming about being someplace else and someone else. Oh, someone else. I want to say that there was some neglect in my childhood, but it's really hard to tell. Where's the line? when your parents are neglectful. I guess sometimes for some of us, it's straightforward. They're just never there, right? But that wasn't the case for me. My parents were there. They saw me and they cared most of the time. So why did I feel so unseen all of the time? Still to this day, It's hard to say that anyone really knows me at all. Even my closest of family members. I could say that they know my personality really well, and that would be true. But personalities shift and they change. You might not think that, you might think your personality is set in stone, but believe you me, it's as fluid as a light switch, on, off. You can make a change about anything when it comes to your personality. What are you assigning? Something like, oh, I'm always late. Is that your personality trait? That's like a growing trend these days. People just make random things their personality. But that just goes to show you how fluid it really is. You can be anything, be anyone, and say it's your personality, but then you can just change it. It's not really part of your DNA, is it? So wouldn't that mean that you could be anyone? 
See, these were the things that I was thinking about when I was like five. But I was trapped in this small, tiny little body. And I couldn't quite express it. There was fear, too. And I can't quite say that I was abused. I wouldn't go that far, you know. I've seen abused children. I've heard about them, at least. And I wasn't going to school covering up any markings on my body. I didn't fear that I would be killed one day by an off-center jab. But I felt abused all the same because I was fearful. And I felt like I was constantly in survival mode. But why? I couldn't tell you. I just thought that every little thing and every little move I made would possibly be wrong and possibly disappoint. I just felt like everything I did, I could potentially be punished for. And my back was against the wall all of the time. And I never really knew which way I was supposed to turn. Everything about me always felt wrong. And not to me, but to the people looking at me. And I guess you could say, wow, at such a young age, you really cared about what other people thought. These other people were blood. They were, they were family. And they still are. And I cared. You're a child, you revere your parents, they're your protectors, they're your mentors, they're your friends, they're everything. So how could you not care? You know, I wasn't any exception to that rule. I remember the first time I cut myself. Something awful had happened really awful and I'm not going to get into the gory details because I just can't but I will tell you that I felt violated and when I said something about it I got shut down I got called names I felt guilty about it. I felt dirty about it. And the person who violated me got off scot-free. And I was left with the weight of all of that. So... When your mother looks at you and she's ashamed of you, she doesn't want anything to do with you, and your father looks at you with disgust, what is it that you're supposed to do? I would venture to guess scream. Scream as loud as you possibly could. Come on, give it a scream. 
you're listening, I want you to just scream, you know, whether it's into your pillow or whether it's right out loud. Scream a little. Because I couldn't. I really couldn't. So I cut myself. Just a little. I was nine. And it was my first time. I was nine and it was my first time. So I cut myself a little and I saw red. Drip, 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 down the sink. I just stared. And for the first time, I felt a little bit of relief. It's like something inside me was swelling. It just needed the release. But like any other high, it faded the feeling, of course. So every time I would get too swollen inside, every time my screams got trapped in my lungs, every time I woke up from a nightmare replaying my traumas, I cut myself a little bit. Why not? It felt like a deep breath. It's like a nice deep breath. Go ahead, do it. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath for nine-year-old me. Even now it's shaky. But the pressure got relieved until it didn't, until it plateaued, until, you know, that moment when you, you smoke weed all the time. So you need just a little more to get you high and a little more and it just a, a little more and maybe a little more and your tolerance is just so high. You can barely feel it anymore. I got to that point, so... I had to move on to bigger and brighter things. Fire. I don't know. I wasn't like some pyromaniac or whatever you call that. But maybe I was. I wasn't committing any arsons. But I will tell you that I was lighting shit up. Just a stupid kid. Get a hold of matches lighting things on fire for the fuck of it and of course rushing to put it out but sometimes the fires would get a little too big and then panic would set in and then you know we'd scramble me and my brother to put it out thank goodness we always put it out I remember one time I almost started a fire that burned down the entire living room almost almost but thankfully I put the fire out it was only a portion of the carpet that got burned. And I moved the couch and I covered it up and nobody ever knew. What a scary moment. 
So naturally, I turned the fire on myself and I just burned a little bit the inside of my wrist. Just held one of those uh, portable lighters thingy, thingy majigs. You know what I'm talking about. The thing that makes it easier to light birthday candles. People stopped using matches and they just started using those thingamajigs. I held that against my skin. Click. For as long as I could. Until the skin wrinkled up and tinged up and man. I felt the pain. The sting. I saw the pink, the raw, the burn underneath. And it felt good. It felt good. It felt really, really good. I mean, do you know what it's like to feel like you don't have any rights to your own body? Because all the blood inside of you is just churning and it's churning and it's churning for somebody else. You're not you. You're your family. You're not you. You're your history. You're not you. You're where you come from and what people expect you to do. You're not you. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to whatever God created you or whatever alien-like being that you believe in or whatever Big Bang or whatever universe. You belong to your spouse or your mom or your dad or your whoever you're living for. You don't belong to you. And the blood, it isn't yours. So even when you have those moments like I did where, you know, you're young and impressionable and you're sitting alone in the bathtub and somebody bursts in. You don't get to feel violated about that. You don't get to cry about it. It's stupid. Just get over it. Who cares about your naked body? It's just a body. I mean, you know, doesn't matter. If you're 10 years old and you feel self-conscious, you'll get over it. You'll get over it because you'll listen to little Kim. <laughs> like I did. I listen to a lot of Little Kim. I think I said that before on this podcast, but I did. I listened to her a lot. She was in my CD player, and I felt like I could be a powerful woman because I could dress any way I wanted. I could wear, you know, just a little nipple cover and just go right on out the door. And in doing so, you know, men, they would, they would stare and they would lust after me and all of that. But I would own myself because I would own my shit because I'd be that bitch because I would be like little Kim. You know, people respected her. She was a fashion icon. She didn't give a fuck what anyone thought. That was what I was thinking when I was listening to her. She was so, she was so out there and she seemed to belong to herself and I wanted to belong to myself. I wanted my blood to be mine. I wanted that if somebody burst into the bathtub where I was taking a bath, 
I want to feel like I did that time when I was 10. I wouldn't run and have tears streaming down my face and, you know, feel like the world was going to end. I remember hosting an episode on here called Emotional Burn Victim. But do you know? I always kind of felt a little bit like a burn victim. And I'm not trying to be insensitive. I know that it's a lot more serious to be an actual burn victim. But the only comparison I'm trying to draw here is that I couldn't even sit close to anyone. I remember my mom drove this Toyota and um, we kids would be in the back, you know, my brother, my sister and I, and I would be seated either on the side or in the middle and didn't really matter. But if one of their arms brushed mine, I mean, even the slightest bit, I would be so enraged. And it really didn't matter who it was. Didn't matter if it was my siblings or didn't matter if it was my grandma or it, it just didn't matter. It didn't matter at all. I hated being touched. Whenever someone would brush against me or touch me in any way, I felt violated. I felt like I wasn't my own again. And I just wanted to scream. And they didn't really understand me at all. I mean, my parents would be so mad. They said that I was just the worst, that I was just the worst of the worst, that I had the worst attitude ever. And how could they know any better? Nobody is inside of you. I mean, your mind is a private place unless you choose to share it. I felt like a burn victim, you know, like every little passing of air just fucking hurt so bad on my skin. It just was awful. I didn't want. Anyway. I wasn't my own and. I didn't have a lot of choices, so really didn't matter one way or the other. I have to say that a lot of my family members, one word that I would use in all caps would be aggressive. So aggressive. I mean, a lot of them, majority of them were so aggressive. They would force their way of thinking down your throat. And if you didn't agree with them, it was the end of the world. And they would all do it to each other. You know, aunts and uncles, everybody, cousins, didn't matter. They were just forcing you and pushing you to be whatever it is that they said and to do whatever it is that they said. And you just really... Standing your ground, I mean, that took a lot. I guess in some ways it was a good thing because, I mean, you know, I'm not a pushover. But 
some of them are really bullies. I mean, they really bullied us. I had one uncle in particular. I remember one whole summer where every time he would see me, I was about maybe six years old, five or six years old. And I don't know, for some reason, my feet always just got hot. I just felt like my feet were hot in my shoes. And it probably wasn't true. I, I don't know, but I just always felt that way. So when I was home, I preferred not to be wearing my slippers. I would always just walk around barefoot running around my house and nobody really had too much of a problem with it except for this uncle that came to visit and all summer long when he was living with us he stepped on my foot every single day and do you know I never even really knew the reason why for the longest time he would just take his huge foot and mind you I mean I'm five or six he's like at least in his early 30s and he would just bully full force step on my feet and crush my toes moving his foot back and forth and glaring at me until one day he's finally like you still don't get it do you still don't get it you're not gonna wear your slippers you need to put on your slippers i remember putting them on and um man blood you know blood's pretty thick it's pretty important isn't it far as it comes to making you you and uh, the truth of the matter is that you know I can handle a lot of abuse is that something I should be proud of that I can handle a lot of abuse that I could deal with a lot of shit probably not but like I said I spent a lot of time in survival mode Sometimes I feel like it's the only mode that I know how to be in, you know? That's the thick of it. That's, that's a blood. No, that's blood. And then, you know, then we come to water so deep and so full of mystery and so much more than meets the eye yet it reflects back at you and it shrivels down your fingers like the lightest thing in the world till you see a hurricane or a tsunami <laughs> or a flood water
water to me could mean so much i mean yeah blood is thicker yeah blood is a little more part of who you are and formulating who you are but water has always been there hasn't it surrounding us i mean look at all these people i told you guys a story about friendships before posted an episode and it was to all the friends i've had before <laughs> What defines a friend? What is a friend? I mean, really, seriously, like think about it. What is a friend? People have their definitions of it. People, you know, say some people are, are, are their friends and some people are their associates. Some people are just people that they happen to know but aren't really their friends. Friends might be, you know, somebody that they just uh, call when things are not so great. Or somebody that they can call at all. Somebody who will pick up the phone might be defined as a friend. Then there's a best friend and close friend and all of that. Friends are sorted into categories in order of most important. But really, when you when you really come down to it, like what what is a friend? You know. I've always had a hard time with this because I always had a problem trusting people I mean I really I, I really don't trust people and I know everyone says that but seriously I'm not like other girls <laughs> I mean look at me I have unhealed trauma you know a low sense of self-worth not to be confused with a low sense of confidence because I have plenty of confidence self-worth not so much codependency in relationships not to be confused with being clingy it's just the fact that you know i have this urge to just follow someone into hell and maybe you'll never understand that maybe someday i'll explain it a little further but for now yeah i have codependency issues fear of being abandoned got that for sure and put my needs aside for other people that I care about and have a craving for a little bit of a validation in some aspects of my life and I am always always ashamed always like without fail about everything literally about being here at all and then uh conflict just fucking throws me off completely it feels like the world is off kilter and I'm always fearing what's going to happen next. And I resist positive change like a motherfucker because I don't know what'll happen if I go too high up. You know, if you make me feel on top of the world, maybe I could come all the way down. And that's a really, really high height to fall from. And then, of course, I always tolerate abusive behaviors from others, not to be confused with really, I mean, tolerating you punching me in the face. I'm from New Jersey. That's not going to happen. But sometimes, you know, if you're subtle about it enough and if I have have to deal with you then maybe I might tolerate some abuse and uh you know I just sometimes I'm a little too agreeable because I don't want to disturb my peace what little of it I have I mean somebody like that finds a hard time with trusting other people 
Let me tell you. I mean, my whole life, even like in kindergarten, one of the things I always thought about was never, never, never tell them. Try and remember that. Never tell anyone anything ever. Never tell anyone anything ever again. Oh, I I recall that when I was nine. I told that to myself because I'd read The Garden of Eden, you know, by Ernest Hemingway. Never, never tell them. Try and remember that. Never tell anyone anything ever. Never tell anyone anything again. Friends included. And I never really got to define what a friend was. I never could really put a true meaning on it. Even if you're close to me, even if you were there for me when times were low, even if you were just like the stranger on the bus that gave me a smile on one of my worst days, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, overall, I have no clue what a fucking friend is. You know, somebody who's loyal to you. I mean, but how long does that really last? Because honestly, nothing has ever lasted ever for me in my life. So I just have no concept of permanency. Like, I don't know what that means. And I get it. I get the strict definition. I mean, I call people my friends all the time, but like, what, what does that mean? It's fluid. It's light as water running through your fingers. Can't hold it. Can't hold on to water. You can drink it, but it has no real taste. You need it, but for a lot of people, it's not really your first choice. I mean, it's not what you go for when you go for flavor. I mean, maybe if you're a health nut, you know, you want to constantly have your water. But I mean, for most of us, we're just kind of like, uh, pass me something that has a little bit more of a taste to it. You know what I mean? In my old age of 29, I definitely... <laughs> drink a lot more water but it's also pretty deep deep like some friendships mysterious never know where it'll go I've had some bad encounters with people that I called friends because I never really belonged to myself in relationships that I had any measure of control over, any at all. I held back. Why should I give you a part of myself when I don't even get any part of myself to myself you know what I mean like I'm like a dragon I just wanted to hoard all these pieces of myself and just expose one tiny little slim shiver of light to someone else when look and don't touch even people I called my best friend I remember my sixth grade best friend I felt traumatized when she moved away But even then, I mean, 
it was a toxic relationship not because she ever did anything wrong to me it was just i mean we were surviving together and we were making bad choices and we getting into tons of trouble like probably a lot of adolescent kids do but all the same even when we talked later on in life we realized that you know what maybe if she would have stuck around we would have gotten way 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 too much trouble I can't think of one friend that I would trust with anything that mattered. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, that's so sad. Everybody deserves a friend that they can trust and they can count on and they can rely on. But who the fuck has that? I mean, you might think that you have it, but not to be a pessimist, but you don't. <laughs> you really fucking don't. You don't really know, you know, and you, you probably be like, oh, well, no, no, no. I have a best friend and they were there for me at the lowest of low times. You have no idea. And I know for facts, for 100 percent sure this person would never, ever, ever abandon me. You're wrong. You have no clue. <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm just jealous. But I mean, even Jesus Christ had trouble with his friends. So I guess you can't really trust anyone. Or can you? That's the mystery about water. I mean, throughout my life, friends have had an effect on me. That's where the personality comes from. You know, the changes in personality. If somebody with BPD, I would say that, you know, sometimes, not all the time, because it's not straight up, you know, Webster's Dictionary definition all the way. But sometimes, you know, I may take on the, some of the personality traits of somebody that I'm spending, a, you know, significant amount of time with, which would be like a friend. Sometimes it's not even a significant amount of time. It's just like you see a trait and you just take it on, you know, because you you like it or because it's just attractive enough. And that was the effect that my friends had on me. It was all very transactional in a way. It's all it was all like superficial. It still kind of is, you know. Except for when it's not, except for when it's, it's more than that, except for a couple of times, you know, a couple of times in life, but I can count those times on one hand and not in all fingers are needed. <laughs> and those people... I still, it's still not, I mean, it's still on some level superficial and it's, and it's not the kind of superficial you think it's not the kind of superficial where, oh yeah, we have a friendship, but it doesn't mean anything. It's, it does mean something. It does have an effect. It's just the fact that I don't a hundred percent give myself to anyone. You know what I mean? 
I like people because they're different. I've always realized that like somebody is just, I, if you got me in a room with people that I enjoy spending time with, they would be absolutely nothing fucking alike. The most common denominator about them is that they would all be fucking different. And the people that I enjoy hanging around are, are, are themselves like all the time, you know, like the version of themselves that I know at the very least, like they're, they're, they're people that, that other people admire or don't admire, but they're polarizing because they, they are strong presences. And those are the kind of people I like to spend time with people that are daring people that are ambitious, people that are different from other people you know, people that are fun and adventurous are shy and quiet, but either way, they don't fully fit in. And those, and those people, they do matter to me, but it's just, you know, when people don't know you that well, <laughs> not as well as they think that they do, it's different. You know, I, I'm just always packed up with all of this baggage all this survivor gear that I have so that if somebody if somebody just lets go if the shoe drops if the sky falls then it's not like it's totally unexpected you know it's preparation always prepared I've been betrayed by friends before. Nasty little betrayals. Mocked and taken the wrong way. And of course, as you grow older, you learn that, you know, those are not real friends and whatever. Kids are cruel or people are stupid or whatever the conclusion it is that we come to in our minds, but all of it has an effect with, on us. We all carry that with us. And so that's why it's so important to really think about who you let into your space, because let me tell you, some of the toxic people that I was quote unquote friends with, I mean, man, they did a number on me. I remember I remember one time where <laughs> I told one of my friends, and I shouldn't have, you know, how I felt about the way that I was being treated by my father. Happy Father's Day, by the way, if you're listening to this on Father's Day. Um, it'll come out much before that, but just in case, you just stumble across it on Father's Day. Um, but yeah, I just build a little tiny tiny bit about how I felt about the way that my father was treating me and I remember her saying that it, it was because it's my fault I mean it is she said it is your fault you know like you're kind of disrespectful And of course, I mean, she didn't know the full extent of the situation. She didn't know any of the history. She didn't know any of the blood. How could she? I didn't tell her, but. That's just water. I mean, it's it slips through your fingers, it, you know. 
just water. What did I expect? I'm not a person that really ever pays attention to the world ending. It's ended for me so many times. You guys have no clue with friendships, with family, with everything, all of the time, every day, the world might end. Some days it did. If you're listening to this and you're under 18 years old, hi, how are you? I just want to tell you, because I did take a peek at my demographics and it looks like some of you guys tune in. Everyone tells you, choose your friends wisely. And maybe my parents said that, but I don't remember it. What I remember the most is them telling me how little friendships mattered. Actually, they said that a lot. They said it all the time, how friends do not matter. What is a friend? They don't matter. It was like a proverb. But what I will tell you is that, you know, friends can drown you. They can carry you. You can float. They can have such an effect on you either way. And they are a reflection of you. And so just be mindful of that. Some people will tell you you don't need friends, but I I used to think that too. And then I found out differently. I think you do need friends. I think you always will need friends just like you need water. And I know some of you antisocial motherfuckers don't want to hear that. And I I would normally be right along with you, but the fact is I've survived this long so that I can tell you this. I can tell you that, yeah, you do need friends, but it depends, right? It depends on how you're defining friends, because to me, friends are water. Yeah, so much of it. You can pour it down the fucking sink if you want. It's free. Yeah, it's everywhere. But you still do need it. There will come a time where your throat will get dry and the world will get so lonely and you'll need a friend. And a friend could literally be some fucking stranger that you never speak to again. I think that that could be a friend in a moment. I mean, what is a friend? Just do yourself a favor and avoid the fucking floods. Avoid the tsunamis. Too many friends is a problem. Too much water is a problem. Isn't it? I mean, you know, you don't want too much, too many friends. It's always like the death of people. I mean, it's the worst, you know, people think it's like such a highlight of life to be famous. And maybe in some ways it's great, but in a lot of ways it's terrible. And I know that because I'm not famous, but if I were, I spent a lot of time thinking about this and imagining it. And you know what? I know for facts, for facts, 
and it's not all it's cracked up to be when so many people know you and so many people can judge you and so many people can affect you it's a fucking flood so yeah fair warning sometimes just let myself drown sink down underneath the water and sometimes i i feel like letting people kill me you know kill me with your words and with your actions and with your betrayals and with everything just fucking kill me already because it just it's like beating a dead horse i mean it's horrible it just goes on and on and on and on and on but you know that's just me I remember that one time where I was um, just so tired. <laughs> I really didn't know it at the time. I mean, I knew it, but I didn't know how fucked up it is when you don't get enough sleep. When you go days and days and, and a full week and a half with, with no sleep, with little to no sleep, with just like 30 minutes of sleep, that you can become so fucking delirious. And so suicidal. It's just what happened to me. And uh, let me tell you, I lived in a city that was near an ocean. And I just imagine walking into the ocean and fucking drowning in the water. And it wasn't the first time that I pictured that either. So. Behind that, there was always that thought. I thought there would be more to this. You ever think that? I thought there would be so much more to this. Yeah, I, I think that too. I thought that there would be so much more to this, but there's just not. You know, being alive is just like, you want to go home and you don't know where home is, but you want to go home, but you don't know where home is, but you really want to go home, but you haven't known where home was for such a long time. And you want to go home, but you don't know where you go. And you just want to go home. You want to go home. You want to go home. And that's just life. And uh, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, some of you thought there would be more to this. We can all just sit around and be disappointed together. And in the meantime, have a glass of, of water. Or you could get torn apart, you know? You could you could literally <laughs> get torn apart by blood. I mean, blood can nourish you, you know, it can it can nourish you for sure. Um, but it can it can also tear you apart. Can't it? I mean at least I think so, from my experience. And if you haven't experienced that, man, it must be great to be you.
I don't even know how to survive not ever feeling like I have the rights to myself, like I have the deed to myself, like I'm allowed. I never feel like I'm allowed. And I always, always feel ashamed and I can trace it all the way back. And it really doesn't matter because it feeling just doesn't go away. And I always feel like I'm being torn apart. And maybe I just have a victim mentality. And I don't know, you could probably diagnose a million things, but at the end of the day, end of the day there's just blood and there's just water thank you so much for listening I wish I could be less metaphorical with you and I wish I could tell you exactly beat for beat the horrors in my childhood but I just can't I can't right now, at least. And, you know, maybe one day or maybe it'll just keep sitting on my chest or stuck in my throat or controlling my every move. I don't know. It's like a Natasha Benningfield song, unwritten. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, I love you and good night. Thank you.